Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. All right, now we're stepping in and kicking off our new series that we've called Filtered. And so we've given all of you a filter today these red glasses and so we've had a little fun with this we're gonna have fun with this series all along um you're not gonna have to wear glasses the whole series but this one this the the whole thing is an illustration to drive home the main point that we want to make today and you're going to need the glasses especially those of you that love to fill in the blanks you're not going to be able to make out very easily what the screen notes say and what you're filling the blanks are without the glasses in fact, if you've, you've probably already looked at the front of your bulletin and looked at it, put your glasses on and look at your bulletin, you'll notice that we've got our small groups kicking off. We've got a lot of small groups. I encourage you to get in one. But it's a whole lot easier to read the back if you put your red glasses on. It's, a, it's not impossible to read it without, but it's a whole lot easier to read it. And then if you look at the front of your bulletin, we hope that what pops out stronger than without the glasses is an image, an artist representation of Jesus. And so um, we have are scrounging for glasses. I thought we ordered more than enough glasses, and we are like out of glasses. So, so. And then there's that. If you look up there, hopefully you see on a better level, you see Jesus. So T9, do you see Jesus over in T9? I see Jesus. And so <laughs> what this is about, this is about us recognizing and learning that as we put on the proper filter and we look through things through a, the proper filter, all of a sudden the junk, the clutter, the interference goes away and we're able to connect with God in a deeper way. In fact, if you've got your version app open, you've got your old school notes that I just referenced you to, we're going to go ahead and kick this off. Because our perception of life is shaped by whatever filters we're looking through. And if you are self-aware at all, you know you have a filter. People who were born and raised in West Texas see life a certain way. Not that all of us are cookie cutter and all of us, but your life growing up in West Texas, your life growing up in America, your life growing up in whatever culture you were raised in. The color of your skin and the color of your family's skin will bring about a certain filter. And if you're not conscious of that, if you're not aware that that filter exists, it's going to change things. The church ideology you grew up with, the way that you had your first interactions with this thing called a, an act of having God at the center of your life. That begins to build a God filter that you look through everything through. And so we need to make sure that we are looking and have the proper perspective because we can get so focused on something that we miss the vital. Bird season right now for all you hunters, for all you nonviolent people that don't eat meat. I'm sorry, but some people like to shoot cute birds out the sky and eat them. And so, <laughs> and, um, and it's doves. It's what the, it's what the, the representation of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> We're shooting the Holy Spirit down. Not really. And so, 
But I like to hunt, like to hunt. Uh, and years ago, I took uh, Keenan, my oldest son, uh, hunting, dove hunting for the first time. Borrowed a little uh, 410 youth model shotgun, gave him some, some training. He knew what he was supposed to do. He was proficient with the firearm. We go out to where the, the dove are flying, and I'm sitting with him. I'm trained. I worked with him for a good while. And I said, okay, this is your mark, and this is your mark. You, you have everything between this tree and this tree. This tree. Which tree? This tree and this tree. So he's sitting there, and he's tracking. I'm like, okay, we're going to practice. Bird comes through. He gets to hear. What do you do? I drop my gun. I don't shoot. Okay, bird comes in on from this side. What do you do? I get over here. I'm, I'm done. Okay, he's doing awesome. He's doing good. Bird comes in. I don't know this bird was kamikaze. I don't know what the problem with this bird was. But it comes right in. Perfect. Keenan takes out his first bird. It was awesome. He gets it. He's so excited. And that elevated him immediately to Master Hunter. <laughs> Boom. Seven years old, first kill. Boom, it's in the bag. He's Master Hunter. He don't even need a dad anymore. Dad's punking him. He'll show dad a thing or two. And so he's got this thing. Well, out there hunting. Well, now we have uh, where I, I, I probably let up a little too much. Trusted him a little too much because I'm sitting there backing up, and now I want to hunt. Got this. All's good. He's got his back to me. We're back to back, taking on the dove, father son. It's awesome. <laughs> so he's back here, and he knows what to do. But a bird comes in. You know what? His eyes were taking in everything. Nobody put blinders on him. His eyes were taking in everything. But his fixation on this little thing flying in the air all of a sudden made the fact that I was there somehow big six foot one of me right here in where I was um, where he didn't see me. And he falls around and he fixates on the bird and he fixates on the bird and he passes the stop mark and he fixates on the bird and I don't know this is happening and that little 410 shotgun comes around the barrels right there and he goes BAM <laughs> and shoots and uh, yeah <laughs> I came unglued I almost lost my hearing I almost lost my head almost and so uh, Keenan's uh, Keenan's hunting experience ended that day <laughs> the gun was ripped out of his hands and I very firmly let him know and he sat down and pouted the rest of the deal but the danger wasn't that it wasn't right from that it wasn't able to see it wasn't that it was that his eyes did not work it's that he fixated on one thing and that pushed all of this other stuff all this other information that he needed and put all of us in a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous place. Let's look at Romans 12, 2. This was kind of our, the, our launch off point for our last series on detox, on letting God begin to, to work in us and change our toxic minds, our toxic thoughts, our toxic habits, our toxic propensities, and let him shift us, okay? And God is still doing that. If you're growing as a Christ follower, that's what we're doing. We're allowing the Holy Spirit to change the way we think about things. We're going to come back to this <clears throat> where Paul writes, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. This world has a pattern. This world has a way. 
There are things that it says, our world says, this is cool, this is okay, this is the way things ought to be. And there's this place that there's a natural flow for us to gravitate towards what our culture says is cool. It's just natural. We want to fit in. We want to connect. We want to do that. And so Paul has to tell Christ followers that the pattern of this world is broken and don't conform to it. Don't be shaped to it, but be transformed. Recognizing that something has to be transformed means that it's in one shape right now and it needs to be shifted into another shape. We have to recognize that our thought patterns, our lives need to be shifted, need to be moved and transformed by the renewing of our minds. Our minds bring in information and process it and help us to make decisions. And our minds must be renewed. Then we're going to be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good. God's will for your life is good. It's good. If you doubt that for a second, I want to tell you, you don't have to be fearful or ride the brake in your relationship with God, thinking if I give God too much leeway, too much authority, too much weight in my life, he's just going to take me someplace where I'm going to end up miserable. That is not the case. Because his will is also pleasing. You're like, of course it's pleasing. It's pleasing to God, which means I'm probably going to be unhappy. No, it's good for you. It's pleasing to him. And as we are aligned, it's pleasing to you as well. Some of your frustrations are you're trying to shoehorn something that's not right for your life into your life because of whatever reason. People, life, culture, hurts, experiences. We're going to talk about all this as we move forward with this series. And you're trying to squeeze this in. It was never meant to be there to begin with. It's pleasing. And then last of all, it's perfect. God's will is perfect. It's not flawed. It's not broken. But once we re- our minds are renewed, once we get the right perspective and the right filter, looking through the right lens, letting the clutter, the stuff that's going to come in, the patterns of this world begin to be removed. And as we put on our red glasses, we begin to be able to see, and these destructive patterns on your notes on the screen begin to be removed, and we'll be able to see things clearly. See, John 14, 6 through 9, Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, which is awesome. That's who he is. No one comes to the Father except through me, and it's real easy to just grab that scripture and leave it alone. It's powerful, it's wonderful, and we can, we can chew on it all day, but let's look at it in fuller context. It says, if you really know me, he's driving us and teaching us and pointing us to get to know Jesus, to get to know himself. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. It's a twofer. You try to understand God without Jesus, and you're going to end up with a jacked up view of God. But you understand and you draw into Jesus, you're going to understand Jesus and the Father at the same time. It's a twofer. You try to do it without Jesus, you get nothing. You do it with Jesus, you get the whole package. So that's why we put our the, what Christ has done. The blood of Christ, his completed work, that lens on our lives so that we can understand 
who God is. It says, from now on, <clears throat> from now on, you do not know him. And wait a minute. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. Philip is sitting right there. Jesus just said, he just said, and Philip's still stuck on this thing. I still just kind of want this over here. I get you, Jesus, what you said, but show us the Father. He still has this thing um, stuck in his head. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Pointing back to Jesus. Don't you know me, Philip, even after, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say so was the father. The reason Jesus asked that question is said because you can't see him without seeing me. You have to see Jesus. Jesus is the, not just the best representation of the father, Jesus is the representation of the father. There's not another one. It's not like we can go to the second best representation of the father. It's not like we can go, wow, this gets kind of close over here even though Jesus gets it better. No, Jesus is it. Jesus is it. So with your glasses helping you see the screen, Jesus came to fully reveal God to us. That is what Jesus came to do, to fully reveal God. It's been God's heart to, be, to, to know and to be known the whole time. God spent time directly with Adam and Eve. Our, our choosing to go our own way, humanity's choice to push God out, is the one that made the distance. God didn't distance himself. We distanced ourselves. And God has been purposing to close that gap on his own. As we were, He's been closing the gap the whole time. He's been speaking to us throughout the Old Testament. He's been trying to point us that, and the whole time pointing us to the climax of God's plan in Jesus. All of the Old Testament, all of the Old Scriptures, everything point us to the representation of God's heart and who he is. Jesus came to fully reveal God to us. Let's look at Luke 10, verse 21. It says, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned. There are those who spend a whole lot of time trying to be super smart and understand God without all, without recognizing and going through Jesus. There's a whole lot. The wise and the learned. He's not saying they're idiots. He's not saying that their IQs are low. In fact, he's saying these are some smart folk. But without the lens of Jesus, they simply can't it and you have revealed them to little children see it doesn't matter you had didn't have to have any training you didn't have to have any prerequisite you drop the lens on and you see we didn't have to have a little class on how to make your eyes work through a red lens the kids in the room drop it on and they can see it's a level playing field Jesus simply wants to reveal the Father. That is his heart's desire. 
Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to, be, to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. At this point, this is still Jesus' earthly ministry. Jesus has not fulfilled his earthly ministry by going to the cross and, and being buried and risen again and, and <clears throat> then ascending and allowing the Holy Spirit to come and to indwell all of us. And there's just the disciples are the only ones. Jesus is choosing to reveal the Father to his closest followers. But now for you and I, the Holy Spirit has come to show us and to reveal, reveal us all things and point us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit has come so we can fully understand Jesus who then we fully understand the Father and it is a beautiful fully complete package he then turns to his disciples and said privately blessed are the eyes that see what you see for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear because the time had not yet come. Jesus had not yet come. They simply couldn't. Without Jesus, without that peace, it doesn't come together. In fact, in Ephesians 3, Paul says this exact same thing. He says, in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the, <clears throat> by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. See, everything that has ever been known about God, everything that has ever been known about God can only be understood through Jesus. Like, Brandon, are you sure about that? Are you sure? Are you just trying to, are you trying to make, us, make us look through this super narrow thing? Well, let's take a look here. See, if we don't look through Jesus, we will come to the wrong conclusions about God. Now, I'm going to want to read you a fairly lengthy passage of Scripture, but you should be able to follow it. It's just narrative. It's just story. And, and anybody who's been on a walk to Emmaus is familiar with this story. This is guy where Jesus, post his resurrection, pre-ascension, so he's been resurrected. He's gone to, the, gone to the cross, been buried. He's resurrected, but he has not ascended to the right hand of the Father yet. Jesus had a, a period of ministry on the earth in his resurrected body. And so here we are. We catch up with this story in Luke 24, verse 13. It says, now, the same, <clears throat> now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. This is Jesus has, has resurrected. They're going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. There had been a, there had been a packed week. There had been the triumphal entry. All these Jews were excited about their Messiah showing up. There was a big parade, a party. People are taking off their jackets, tearing down branches and putting them on the ground. And Jesus comes in like a king. They're pumped. They're excited. There's about to be some sort of cool revolution. And then Jesus is just loves on people and heals people and, 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 <clears throat> and teaches people and his, his followers don't begin to attack Rome and they don't begin to do things and all of a sudden in a few, few short days things turn sideways and now a, a crowd is yelling to crucify Jesus and Jesus has this incredibly public 
painful execution where people are confused. Some are just glad this Jesus thing's over. Some can't believe this Jesus thing over because he was supposed to, to, to be our Messiah. This is, this is messed up. And these guys are discussing all that, and they're confused. They were ones looking for Jesus to change everything. They talked with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. They're talking about Jesus. Everything's done. And here comes resurrected Jesus and inserts himself into their conversation. But they were kept from recognizing him. It was public. It wasn't that they had never seen Jesus. It wasn't that they wouldn't recognize Jesus if he stood up in front of them. They would. They were kept from recognizing him. And Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still. I just stop, That question stops them in their tracks. This has been the biggest thing in their news and scuttlebutt. And here's this guy saying, what are you talking we were talking, we, you know we, you overheard, and they're just stuck, stopped in their tracks. They stood still, and their face is downcast. They couldn't even look up, and one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know these things that have happened here these three these days? This guy's getting smarty pants with Jesus. Are you the only one that don't know? What kind of dummy are you? Jesus is there to minister to them, and the first thing out of their mouth is a smart aleck reply. You know what? Sometimes we, when Jesus first comes to us and meets us, sometimes we don't have our A-game on either. You ever had God meet you when you didn't have your A-game on? Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you weren't ready, quite ready to play church, and God met you in the raw? It's okay. He's, he's all right with that. And so, so he, they get a little bit smarty pants, and... Um, and so Jesus just plays along and says, what things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet. They'd been saying Messiah. Because things didn't kind of go their way, they downgraded him. He was a prophet. He was a prophet. Powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. And they went to the tomb early this morning, and they didn't find his body. And they came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. They have already heard the truth that Jesus died and was resurrected from first-hand witnesses who talked to the angels, and they did not believe. They were there. They saw the crucifixion. The women who go and find it empty, who visit with the angels, they said he's alive, and they're still not, they're still not taking it. They want it, but they're not taking it. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, but they did not see Jesus. 
They keep wanting to see the physical Jesus. The physical Jesus is standing right there, but it's being kept. They can't recognize him. The Spirit of God is keeping them from recognizing the physical Jesus. They want to see Jesus, the physical Jesus. They've been told that he has risen again, and they're still not taking it. And Jesus said to them, young mentors, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He begins to go back and break down all these scriptures that they knew. These were good Jewish boys. They understood the Torah. They understood the Old Testament. They knew these different things. And they had a perspective that Jesus was going to come and Messiah was going to be a certain way. And that got that didn't happen. And they're still trying to look through that lens. And Jesus goes back to rework that lens through him. He's showing himself. He's pointing Jesus out in the Old Testament, in the scriptures, to realign. I love this. I love this, that one of the first things resurrected Jesus does is goes to a couple of guys who so desperately want to believe this, but they're still stuck on the physical part of wanting to see Jesus, and he teaches them to see him in the scriptures. He teaches them to see him in the scriptures. I love that because for all of the Christ followers that are coming after, after he ascends, where are you and I going to see Jesus? In the scriptures. Where are we going to see him? That's where we're going to see him. Straight up, right from the beginning. He's like, we're taking this thing where you go, okay, I recognize it. And now I believe you know he's put there and teaches them to see him through the scriptures. And it goes back. And look at all the scriptures through the Jesus lens, and now it makes sense. The story doesn't end there. They go on, walk along, and it, they said, the, script, the, the guys tell the story that it's like Jesus was just going to keep rolling. And they invite him into their house. So they invite him into the house, and Jesus breaks bread. That act of what we understand is communion. And he takes the bread and he breaks it. And it's in that moment that they recognized him, and that was broke. That thing was broken, and then Jesus Jesus left. Jesus disappeared from him, and they immediately ran out of that and went back into town to tell everybody. And on the way, they're saying, "Didn't our hearts burn within us? The Holy Spirit was telling us it was Him the whole time, even though the outside image didn't mesh up." What he was saying, his words, how he carried himself, the way he broke down the scriptures, all of that is let us know this is him. It's him. And folks, I'm telling you, if we will begin to put on and look at things through Jesus, Jesus will show up all over the place. He will show up all over the place. You be, go back and you, you reread the Psalms through the lens of Jesus and all that. I'm telling you, you're going to find yourself weeping. You're going to find yourself engaged. You're going to find yourself laughing. You're going to find yourself engaged with the scriptures in a whole different way when you look at them through what Jesus has done and who he is. 
all of a sudden, when we put the Jesus lens on and some unexpected individual, namely someone we wouldn't call very Christian, begins to step up and, and do something that's Christ-like, then all of a sudden we put our Jesus lens on and we recognize them. All of a sudden we begin to see the image of God stamped on people we never would have seen the image of God stamped on, that we would have tossed away and walked away and, and not been engaged with. The Jesus lens will change your life. It will change your life. It will change everything when we begin to look at the world through Jesus. John 5, 39 through 40 says, You study the scriptures diligently. Jesus is talking here. He says, You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. That the scriptures themselves Folks, I'm a Bible scripture guy, okay? I am. But there is a place where in our Western culture that we have taken the Bible and deified it. When Jesus, Jesus is it. Why is the Bible so important to us? Because it reveals and it points us to Jesus. It points us to Jesus. It points us to him. You study the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. They were trying to get eternal life just by the scriptures and not through him. He says, these are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. You have the road map. You have it all laid out. They're pointing you to me. And when you get to that place, you're like, nope. You're like, nope. They thought all of a sudden that it would be this. They thought it was completely going to be something else. And just completely stopped. See, Jesus reveals to us the life that God has desired for us all along. Jesus reveals to it. He lays it bare. He shows it. The life that God has desired for us all along. If you think for a minute that Jesus is somehow the sneaky way into heaven, that somehow God was really just building this big defensive thing and trying to keep everybody out, and here comes his son sneaking everybody through. Come on, come on. He thinks, he thinks he's looking at me. Come on, I got you. If he sees you, it's over. Come on. We built the broken framework of God. He was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Why? Because he wants you. He wants you. Not with gritted teeth and reluctant and you found the Jesus loophole. Because Jesus ripped the veil where you could drive a Mack truck through this thing. Jesus made it where the whole world is reconciled. Now we're just a handful of people sneak into this thing. We started with this truth. John 14, 6, that Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Why is the Jesus lens so important? Because Jesus is the way, 
He's the way to God. He shows us the way to live. He shows us the way to respond. He shows us the way to love. He shows us the way. And any time your self grates against Jesus, guess who's the one out of alignment? You. It's you. But we have the Holy Spirit who can come in and begin to make that line up and fit so beautifully, so perfectly. 2 Timothy 1.9, as we close this up, that he, Jesus, has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. He loves you. He loves you. Please, please know that. You begin to look at you through the Jesus lens. You know what? It's real easy to drop our eyes from the Jesus lens and look and and call ourselves low-down, dirty dogs and all this different stuff. When God calls you beloved, when God calls you son, when God calls you redeemed and whole and new, we have to look even at ourselves through the Jesus lens. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus. It was a laid-out gift before the beginning of time. Before the beginning of time. Try to wrap your mind around that one. This has been God's heart the whole time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior. What happened is the Jesus lens dropped. His appearing reveals it. Our Savior Christ Jesus who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, through the good news. See, the bottom line today, the reason we're wearing these silly glasses and looking at these images is that so we get it deeply in our hearts and minds that Jesus shows us clearly who God truly is. That without Jesus, we're just not going to get it. The more we let the Holy Spirit reveal that image of Jesus in us, the more we look at him, it's going to change everything. Looking through the lens of Jesus allows us to see all of life clearly. You're not going to understand your spouse without the Jesus lens. You're not going to have compassion and love your spouse without the Jesus lens. You're not going to be able to parent your children without the Jesus lens. You're not going to be able to interact with your boss without the Jesus lens. You are certainly not going to be able to have any kind of opinion about yourself without the Jesus lens. It allows us to see life clearly. I want to create a moment here. There may be some folks that are here this morning that have just not accepted this beautiful free grace that is just laid out. That Jesus just just handled it. He just dealt with it. And again, it's not because of anything we do or have done, but it's based on what Jesus alone has done. And if you feel like you're on the outside today, 
We can get that dealt with. God was in Christ making things right between the two of you. And if you'll believe that, right now you may be thinking, I can never fix. I can never fix it. He's fixed it. I can never make things right so that I feel comfortable talking to God. He's done it. And if you will just accept it, you'll just believe it. It's yours. It's yours. And if that's you this morning, I want you to just raise your hand and just say, Brandon, I'll take that. I believe it. Awesome. Wonderful. 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 Believers, I want you to lift your voice with these. I'm just going to loan you some words. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he came to show me you. That you were in Christ. Making things right between us. That all that I had broken is made right in Jesus. And I believe that today. Today I am your child. And you're my father. And I give you permission to change me from the inside out. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you will stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.